This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Acts chapter 3, third chapter of Acts. Just want to read from verse 11. Acts 3, 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Let's just stop there. Peter and John... uh, going past the gate beautiful into the temple, saw the lame man, and Peter, you remember, grabbed him by the hand, stood him up, and he was instantly healed. And the people were astounded, and they ran towards Peter and John, and he shared what he shared with them, what we just read together. But notice, consider just for a moment what he said. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... The God of our fathers has glorified Jesus through this great miracle that they saw. Consider for a moment these three great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, there was more patriarchs than those three, but those are the, what the Jews believe are the founding fathers uh, of the nation of Israel. Now, I was reading a little booklet during the week. Uh, I was preparing my message. In fact, I had my message half prepared for this morning. And I just happened to pick up a little booklet that was close by, and I was just flicking through it and reading through it. And the, the author, uh, just as an aside to what he was talking about in the book, it really had nothing to do with what he was saying, but just as an aside, it was almost one of those throwaway comments. And he mentioned Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and said, Abraham speaks of the God of covenant. Isaac speaks of the God of sacrifice. And Jacob speaks of the God of transition. I'll say that again. Abraham speaks of the God of covenant. Isaac speaks of the God of sacrifice. And Jacob speaks of the God of transition. (coughs) And he just threw that away and then moved on to whatever he was talking about. But I could not get past that statement. In fact, the message I was going to preach, I had to put it aside and focus my thoughts on this this morning. And usually when that happens, it's usually for a very good reason. Somebody needs to hear something that I'm going to share this morning for your encouragement or for your challenge or for your faith or for whatever. God is a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. He's a prophecy-keeping God. God made a covenant with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, that has lasted 4,000 
years. In fact, it is more vital, it is more relevant right now than it has ever been. All of the trouble in the Middle East that we're hearing about all goes back to this covenant that God made, the promises, the prophecies, the covenant he made with Abraham 4,000 years ago. Soon, at some point, I want to share with you about the mystery and the miracle of Israel. And it is a mystery and a miracle. And the whole world is focused on Israel right now. And there's a reason. There's lots of reasons for that. But although that's not my subject this morning, but I must say that after 2,000 years of Israel being scattered amongst the nations, that at long last they're coming back to their homeland. Since 1948, when God made them a nation again, and one day... There are vast numbers of Jews all over the world, over a million from the former Soviet Union alone, who's coming back to their little land in Israel. And that is a mystery and it's a miracle which can be explained, and we'll do that at a later point. But that proves the validity, the authenticity of this covenant that God made with Abraham. He is a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. He's a prophecy-keeping God. When God gives his word, be it through a promise, be it through a prophecy, be it through a covenant, he will stand over his word to perform it. We may forget his promises. We may forget the prophecies. We may forget the covenants, but God will never, ever forget his own word. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Hebrews 6, 18, writer said, it is impossible for God to lie. Paul writing to Pastor Titus 1 and 2 says, God who cannot lie. Now, when God spoke the promises to Abraham, when God made the covenant with Abraham, when God prophesied to Abraham, it seemed too great to take in. It was vast beyond human comprehension. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the sand on the seashore. It was just vast to try to get his head around. But not only that, when God spoke these things, it was too late in the natural. They were too old for this to happen. But God is a God of his word. And he keeps his promises. And he keeps his word. No matter how long it takes, God will keep his word. I want you to turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 12. Let's see what God said. Verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and all the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed 
departed to go to the land of Canaan. And so they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth trees of Moreh, and the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there into the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east where he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. And then it goes on to talk about how he uh, came into Egypt and how he went through Egypt and then came into Canaan. And you know how that uh, uh, whenever Lot and Abraham, they came into this land that their flocks and their herds were so great uh, that they, they became a dispute among them because the land wasn't big enough they were currently there to contend with them. So Abraham says, that's fine to Lot. He says, I tell you what, let's make a decision here. Uh, you take whatever you want. You look at the land and you have whatever you like. If you take the right, I'll take the left. If you take the left, I'll take the right. But I'll just leave it with you. And so that decision was made. And uh, you know how Lot, he looked at the well-watered plain of Jordan. And even though it had those wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, but he got his eye on that and he took that. And Abraham then was left. But then verse 14 of chapter 13. And the Lord said to Abraham after Lot is separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which I see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk on the land uh, through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. And then if we just skip over the next chapter, chapter 14. And chapter 15 now. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Excuse me. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no... Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, none born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying... This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Hallelujah. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know I will inherit it? And he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle, placed each piece opposite the other, and he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and a great darkness fell on him. 
Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Speaking of Egypt. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down, and it was dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And on the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Gergashites, and the Jebusites. And so God comes to him with promises. He prophesies to him. He gives him this great covenant. And God is a covenant-keeping God. But how many knows when God makes a promise that you may be tested? That it may take a while for that to come true. Even though God has spoken it, and even though you have believed it, and even though you're convinced that it's for you, but sometimes it takes a while for that to happen. And so in chapter 16, which we'll not read, is the story of Hagar and Ishmael and how that Sarai couldn't wait for God to do this. Time is going on. She was well past childbearing age. And so she decided, well, go into my maid and she'll have a child and I can nurse that child. That'd be the child of promise. But it wasn't God's plan at all. And we know that, again, the trouble in the Middle East today is because of that foolish decision that she made that Abraham went along with at that time. But the end of chapter 16, just that one verse, So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 68 years old when, Abram, when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. So, sorry, he's 86 years old. So he, he's gone from being 75 to 86. So a lot of time has passed. But by the time you jump into chapter 17, another 13 years has passed when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, or a father of multitudes. For I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. And then it goes on down uh, to the circumcision rite that God instituted with Abraham. But then when you come to verse 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah for shall be her, for that shall be her name and I will bless her and also give you a son by her then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations kings of people shall be from her and Abram fell on his face 
and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly, and he shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. Those are the Arab nations today that we see in the Middle East. And as for Ishmael, sorry, we just read that, verse 21. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time, this set time next year. And when he had finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And then, coming close to the, the situation that we really want to get to. We want to skip a couple of chapters that are talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and all that happened there. And now you come to this chapter, chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom, Isaac, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. <coughs> Left Ur of the Chaldees when he was 75. God made him promises. God made him a covenant. And he had to wait 25 years years for God's word to come true in his life. 25 years waiting on the promise of God. But God is a covenant-keeping God. God is a promise-keeping God. Peter said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. Writer of the Hebrews said, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely in blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. In Romans 4, Paul writes, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. That great writer and preacher, John Bunyan, writing in his classic Pilgrim's Progress, wrote these words. When Christian and hopeful lay helpless in doubting castle, the property of giant despair, Christian said, what a fool I am to be in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty. I have a key in my bosom called promise 
That will I am persuaded open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then he pulled it out of his bosom pocket and began to try it at the dungeon door, whose bolt, as he turned the key, gave way, and the door flew open with ease, and Christian and Hopeful both came out. I wonder this morning, is somebody here in Doubting Castle? What I mean by that is this. I wonder is somebody here this morning that at some point in your life, six months ago, six years ago, 25 years ago, that God made you a promise or that God gave you a prophecy and you're wondering today, is it true? Will it ever come to pass? You're doubting what you were sure of before. What you were absolutely convinced about, now you're doubting. Now you're wondering. The Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but we're not Abraham. I'm not Abraham, you're not Abraham. And our faith is maybe not as great as Abraham's. But maybe when God spoke that word through his word or through a word or through a promise and God spoke it at that point, your heart was encouraged and faith rose up and you said, Lord, I believe that. That's for me. That's mine. But that was then, but this is now. And maybe today, maybe through circumstances, maybe through the weight, maybe through conditions that didn't happen as you thought, maybe today, for whatever reason, you find yourself in Doubting Castle. The doubts has crept in. You're wondering, will it ever happen? Did I get it right in the first place? Remember whenever John the Baptist was in jail? Remember how he doubted? Did I get it right? Is this the Christ? Is this the one that I baptized? Is he the Messiah? He was filled with all kinds of doubts when he was in that prison. But the Lord helped him with his doubts and his fears, and he gave him a message that lifted him up again. So maybe this morning, maybe somebody's in Doubting Castle, but here's the good news. God is a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. He's a prophecy-keeping God. And God has got a promise for you. And that promise will take you out of Doubting Castle. Make you believe again. I'm not blaming you. I'm not putting you down. I have been there. I know how that feels. We've all had our doubts and our fears and our anxieties and all the rest of it. But there's an answer to it. And it's the promises of God. And if we put that in the lock, then we'll be out. God will lead us out. God is a God of the covenant. But God is also a God of the sacrifice. Come with me to Genesis 22. Lots of years have passed. Isaac has grown up. Ishmael's gone. 
Abraham is well on in years. Now it came to pass that after these things that God tested Abraham. Now you would think, would you not, that leaving the Ur of the Chaldees will be a big enough test at 75 years old. To have to move to somewhere you've never been before, to look for a city whose builder and maker is God that you've never known before, to have to uproot your whole family and take them to somewhere else on the basis of what God has spoken to you. That's a big challenge, isn't it? And then to have to believe for a son for 25 years. That's a big challenge. That's a big test. And not only that, then to have Ishmael in between times. And Abraham really, really loved Ishmael. That was his firstborn. Really loved him. But at one point God said, send them away. Send Hagar, his mother, and your son Ishmael, send them away. Now that was tough. That was a test. Do you love God more than you love Ishmael? Big test. But having done that, you'd think, well, surely he doesn't need test it anymore. But he did. And there's one big test to come, the biggest test of his whole life. Came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Imagine getting hit with a bombshell like that. Take now your son, your only son. Well, technically that wasn't true because he had Ishmael. But only son in the sense he was the only son of promise. He was the only son of Sarah. And now that Ishmael's gone, he's the only son. And so God says, I want you to give him up. The one whom you love, I want you to sacrifice him to me. What a challenge. What a test. God is a God of sacrifice. I wonder how we would feel if God came to us and asked us to give up the one thing that we loved above all things. something that was dear to us, something that we would quite naturally want to hold to. Now, obviously, he's not going to come and ask us to sacrifice our children, but it could be a career. It could be something in our lives that we love and we want to keep and hold on to, and God may say, give it to me. Would we be willing? Could we sacrifice? And so he said, take your son, your only son, and offering, offer him as a burnt offering unto me. And verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. 
I don't know if that had been me <laughs> or you. And if God would come to us and literally ask us to sacrifice our only child, could we do it? I'm saying that to say what a man Abraham was. What a righteous man. What a man of faith. What a man of obedience. He rose up early the next morning. He didn't lie thinking about it too long. He decided immediately, I have to do this. And so he wasn't going to dilly-dally. He was going to do it and start out immediately to do this. How often do we feel in that thing right there, God speaks to us to do something and we don't do it immediately. We analyze it, we think about it, and oftentimes we talk ourselves out of it. But this was his biggest challenge in life and he begins immediately to do it. So he rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Three days journey from Beersheba to Moriah, which is now where Jerusalem is. Three days' journey. Doesn't seem much, but three days with this in your mind. Three days knowing that you're going to have to kill your own son. You can see the three days must have seemed like three months. Every single step that he took was a reminder that he was going to have to sacrifice his own son whom he loved. And his son was right with him all of that time. And he hadn't told him yet. Imagine what would be going through his mind. What would be going through your mind and my mind? Hmm? Three days. He started out early. He started out with great intention. Maybe start out with some kind of enthusiasm to do the will of God, hard as it was, but three days. Your mind can do a lot in three days, can't it? Three days to think about something. It's a long time to think about this. But the Bible says he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. And even when it came to this, it seems that he was steadfast. The more I read into this story and try to put myself into it, you try to put yourself into it, the greater appreciation of Abraham you'll get. This was a massive ask that God was asking him. And so they made that three-day journey. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Now, when it says, I don't know what it says in your translation, I'm reading the New King James, but it says the lad. 
do not be... Uh, try to understand that when it says the lad, it's not thinking of a little boy here. In Genesis 46, Benjamin's brothers called him the lad because he was the youngest. But Benjamin the lad already had 10 sons. So he wasn't 14 or 15. And the lad here is a fully grown adult. He's at the very least in his 20s. And some commentators, because this is a type of Christ, as we'll see more and more as we read on here, some commentators said he's possibly at this point where Abraham's go to slam, he's possibly at the age that Jesus was at 33. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Be that as it may. But what we do know is he's not a little teenager here. He's a fully grown adult. Good to remember that. Because even though we're talking about Abraham here, we'll want to talk about Isaac in a moment. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Mm. That takes a lot of faith to say that. This is more than just bravado. This is more than just putting them off. He didn't want them to be there. This was just going to be between him and his son and God. No other eyes would see this. And so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. If you want a type there of Christ, the wood was laid on his back, wasn't it? As he walked towards his crucifixion. But then there came a point where he could not carry it any longer and he stumbled. The Roman soldier got another to carry it for him at the end. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood the instruments of death. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Obviously, Abraham hadn't told him. During all that three days, he kept quiet. As far as I was concerned, they were going to go to Moriah to make an offering, burnt offering unto God, which is fine by him. But then he got to the point where he's looking around and thinking, something's not adding up here. My dad would be very meticulous in his planning, but I don't see any lamb here. No lamb. How's there going to be a sacrifice? He sees an adult. He can figure things out. He's beginning to get suspicious. He's wondering. And he had every right to. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Thank you, Lord. Just a little aside here. Isaac had every confidence 
and his father is a man of God. Because when Abraham told him that, he just believed it. He had every confidence in his father as a man of God. What a lesson for us as parents. Do our children have confidence in us as believers? Does our lifestyle as believers give them confidence enough to believe us and to trust us? Obviously, Isaac believed and trusted his dad. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And that just says kind of casually. But you've got to think about this. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now again, Isaac is a full-grown man. Abraham's an old man. I have to believe that at some point here that Abraham had to tell him, son, you're the sacrifice. I don't think Abraham waited till Isaac's back was turned and jumped on him and wrestled him to the ground and hog-tied him. I don't think so. I think at some point, Abraham explained, son, you're the sacrifice. But in Hebrews 11, it tells us that Abraham, the man of faith, believed that even if he killed his son, he believed that God would raise him from the dead. Now, there was no precedent for this. Nobody else had been raised from the dead. He couldn't look back in history and say, well, that happened there and it happened there and it happened there. There was nothing. So what was he, why did he believe that? Why did he believe that God would raise him? Because God had given his word, his promise. He had made his covenant with him. And that's what he believed. That's what he held on to. All he had was the naked word of God. And that was all he needed. And I, 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 I kind of get the feeling, I, I wish the Holy Spirit had put this in for us clearly, but he didn't. But I kind of get the feeling that Abraham maybe expressed that. Son, you're my son of promise. God told me that in you all the nations would, earth would be blessed. That you're the one where all my dreams are going to come true. And that can't happen if you're dead. So therefore God is going to have to raise you from the dead if I kill you. And if that happened, if that conversation took place, then Isaac also was a man of faith. Isaac was also a man who believed the word of his father to the point where he was willing to lay down his life and make that sacrifice. Are you still with me?
We know that the Lord Jesus was willing to lay down his life. We know that the Lord Jesus, willing to obey his Father, not my will, but yours be done, was willing to go to that cross and become our sacrifice for our sins, to become the Lamb of God. Father, where's the Lamb? John the Baptist answers that, doesn't he? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he bound him, he laid him upon the altar, upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, there's an urgency here. Abraham wasn't wasting any time. He wasn't flapping about, as we say. His mind was fully made up. He was fully convinced. The quicker I do this, the better. I will obey God's word, even though it will pain me to do it, even though it's a horrible thing to have to do, but God has said it, I will do it, but I believe if I do this, God will raise him up immediately. And so he was so intent to plunge the knife into the heart of his own son that the angel had to say twice, Abraham, Abraham, to stop him. It was never God's intention that Abraham kill his son. It was a test. It was a test. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. That's not a strange statement. For now I know. But is not God omniscient? Is not God all-knowing? Did God not know this before? Of course he did. Whose sake is he saying this for? For Abraham's sake, for Isaac's sake, and for our sake because we need to learn something from this. Otherwise, this is just a history story. But someday, somehow, somewhere, we get tested. And we can learn from Abraham and Isaac. Now I know. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God, Abraham loved God more than he loved his own son. What a man of God. Don't you admire him? See, the more I read this, the more I put myself into this story and think, if that was you, David, what would you be like? <laughs> In all honesty, I don't think I could have done it. And I don't think you'd have done it either. So my admiration for Abraham goes way, way up. My admiration for Isaac goes way, way up. But it encourages me to trust, to believe. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its 
horns. Now, isn't this interesting? Just as a type. The ram was caught in a thicket. The ram was caught in a thorny, thorny bush by its head. Who was the one who had a crown of thorns upon his head? Who was the sacrifice for us that had the crown of thorns on his head? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is a type. And God had it planned before the foundation of the world. And so Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Glory. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessings I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and, and, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. They rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Just a few weeks ago, Guy and I when I'm in Jerusalem and where we were standing, we looked up to our left, and there was Mount Moriah, where Abraham put his son on the altar. And not far from there is where God put his son on the altar. Amen. Isaac was spared, but Jesus was not spared. And when you're standing that close and you're looking up, of course, there up in Moriah now is, is the Dome of the Rock, the Muslim Dome of the Rock in the Alaska Mosque. But when you look up and think, that's the place where that happened. You're so close you could touch it. And then to think that those promises that God made with Abraham, those, that covenant he made with Abraham, that today, it's coming true today. It's not fully fulfilled yet. They have not got all the land that was promised to Abraham, but one day they will possess all of the land that was promised. But something supernatural is happening in that land, and I can hardly wait to tell you about it. It's supernatural. God's doing something, and you say, well, what has that got to do with me? What has that got to do with me paying my bills this week? Let me look above your paying your bills this week. See the big picture. See what God's doing in the earth today, because it's all relating to Christ coming back again. Hallelujah. And we're living in those times when he could come back quickly. God is a God of covenant. God is a God of sacrifice. I haven't time right now this morning, I'll, I'll finish it tonight, to say that God is the God of Jacob, the God of transformation. Hallelujah. And this is the wonderful thing about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, how transformative it is in people's lives. Every one of you this morning has been transformed by the God of Jacob. <laughs> And what a transformation it has been. 
So we'll look into that tonight, amen? Because I haven't time to start now. It's going to take me a little while. Is that okay? So, where are you today? In Doubting Castle? There's a promise in this book for you. Read it. Seek it. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, give me your word. Give me your promise. Or go back to the word he gave you. And say, Lord, even though I can't feel it, even though I can't see it, even though it seems a million miles away, but yet, Lord, it was your word, and it's true, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to stand on it, and I'm going to see it come true for your glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. We bless you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're a great big God. That nothing is beyond your capability. That all things are possible to him that believes. Lord, help us to believe you, to trust you, to know you, to walk with you, to lean upon you. Help us by your spirit. Help us through your word. Help us, Lord, that we get our eyes completely and totally on the great God of heaven. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your covenant. Thank you for the prophecies. Thank you for the sacrifices. Thank you for your supreme sacrifice for us. And Lord, should you ask us, should you test us, should you want us to do something, to give something up, to lay something over, to leave something behind, Lord, help us with your grace and your strength to be able to do it for the glory of God. Thank you for the encouragement of your precious, inspired, holy word. Lord, it's here for our admonition. Even though, Lord, it's thousands of years old, but yet, Lord, it's relevant and it's true and it's new even this very day. So, Lord, bless your church. Bless your people. Strengthen them. Give them, Lord, all that the heart's desires, Lord, that's in your will and purpose, Lord. Make it come to pass for them. And, Lord, if anyone's in Doubting Castle today, help them, Lord, to break free from it because your word is true and it will never fail. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.